Welcome to Where We Land, a podcast that explores the relationship between Christ, culture, and the church. Hey guys, my name is Aaron Mansfield, and today I am joined in the Where We Land studio with Morgan McClure. What's up, guys? And Stephen Vaughn. Hello, hello, hello. And we are so glad to be with you today as we are concluding our mini-series in the Book of Acts by talking about prayer in the early church. So we hope you stick around for the whole episode today. Yeah, so... um just uh, as we're in the studio here, Aaron, what do you think about Logos? It's a sad, so- <laughs> it's a sad subject right now. Having a crisis. Guys, I was so excited. They had like this 50% flash sale going at last week. And I was like, I'd been planning on it, thinking about it. Like you could get a, like a gold package, like a $1,500 package for $750, you know. And I was this close to buying it. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm just going to wait a few days because I looked on the website and it thought it said flash sale goes through. Uh, end of January. So I was like, okay, I'll think about this for a day or two, do a little bit of research. And I went on there today and uh, it is gone. It is history. If our listeners don't know, Logos is a Bible study software. And it's very important, especially Logos is like one of the most revered softwares, probably, especially for like pastors. And Aaron was very excited, and in our studio recording break, I was actually telling Stephen how great it it was because I was like, "Hey, I want to show you. Look at that great deal." You were were even like, (laughs) "I mean, you were about to buy it." I I feel like, and you lost out on like seven hundred bucks. I mean, that's a bummer. Logos, if you're interested and you're listening, we would like you to sponsor (laughs) Aaron Mansfield on this podcast or sponsor the podcast. Sponsor the podcast. We we love that. We love that. We'll hype you up for sure. But in better news, better news. Yeah, this has changed the source. <laughs> I, yeah, we'll get off that. I was I hopped on to our our podcast where our audio is hosted, and I was looking at some of the stats of like where our downloads have been. Okay, and I was so surprised that like some of these cities we are across the United States. Okay, give so, me some give me so, some examples here. So we have some of our farthest away in the U.S. Um, Westlake Stevens in Washington. All we right. have um, shout out to Westlake Stevens. There's some in Shaw, Washington. There's a few. Shout there's, the, there's a few shout folks out to Washington up in State. Uh, Alaska. I know. Uh-huh. There's a big a, pocket in Alaska. Ke- I think. Ooh, ooh, ke- there's a number. Catchy of ca- catch- I'm not even going to pretend. Say it, catch can. Catch can. Ask Alaska. <laughs> and then we have Wheaton, Illinois. Um, some people up north. You got Boston. I think in we have Boston, some Californians, if I'm correct, too. Yes, there's like a whole little tribe Pocket. out in California yeah, that listens believe, to us. I believe it's a friend of mine. Um, she goes to college out there. It's a friend of Emily and I's. And like she supposedly has told like all of her friends. And like they're now listening. So shout out to all of you Thank listeners you on the West hey, Coast. We're rock. glad to have you here. But even crazier, it, it we suddenly are in Europe. And then there's even a person listening in tai, tai, Taipei, Taiwan. Taiwan? Yeah, we have somebody in Very France. Uh, one of my favorites to pronounce, let's see, is, uh, oh, where was it? It was Bavaria, wasn't it? It is in Bavaria. Bavaria. I'm trying to find this city. Where, is, where is Bavaria? <laughs> I was just like, we need to Google this. <laughs> where is Bavaria? I know. Bavaria. Oh, Thank my you goodness, to our listener in Bavaria, but like, I don't even know where Bavaria yeah, is. Let's look it up. I, I obviously should have done more um, studying in geography. Oh, here we go. Gunsenhausen, Bavaria. 
wherever you are. Is that in Germany? Like near Germany? I it's think a it's German near Germany. state, I think actually. it's near your, Europe. It's okay, a German so it's state. In, it's actually the that state that Munich is in. Oh, okay. Sweet. Very neat. So thank, thank you. you. Very neat. Germans. <laughs> thank you, Gutzenhausen, <laughs> for your listening. But listen, we are really thrilled that you have joined in with us today and uh, have joined our conversation so far. And uh, we hope that this has been really an encouragement to you and have helped maybe give you some good things to think through in terms of Christianity and, and how Christ culture and the church you know, kind of all intersect together there. And so um, today on the podcast, though, we're going to continue our conversation that we've been having really a, a few times here about the early church. And we're specifically looking at the book of Acts, and we're not going through the entire book of Acts, but we're really la- letting the early church frame uh, our discussion on prayer. And uh, a couple episodes ago, we were talking about how just prayer seems to be um, a concept Mm -hmm. that crosses many boundaries uh, in terms of different religions, in terms of even personal life for people that may be uh, non-religious, and yet they have some aspect of prayer. And uh, I think a good way to kind of kickstart our discussion today by talking about the pattern of prayer in the Bible, specifically seen in the book of Acts and what Jesus left his followers with, is to kind of compare that uh, to another, um, maybe a a, a different understanding of prayer, and and that is uh, prayer in Islam. Mm -hmm. Morgan, I mean, help us here kind of think through some of those differences between Christianity and Islam. Yeah. So first of all, I think people who follow Islam, I think their pattern of prayer can put American Christianity's prayer to shame Mm -hmm. just in their dedication and the ritual of prayer, because that's really what it comes down to. It's one of their five pillars of belief. So they have prayer, they have fasting, they have giving to the poor, making the trip to Mecca. Um, So that is, it is a core foundation and they take it super seriously. So um, one of the common known facts is that they would pray five times a day. Um, And it's like, early morning, then throughout the day, then late at night. So, There's so specific call to prayers, yeah, I mean, specific so, times, mm-hmm. hours. They have what's called yeah. the muezzin, and that's just the call to prayer where you're near a mosque and you can hear. Which is exciting when mm-hmm. you're there and it's like first morning in country really and you different. aren't used to it. You're mm-hmm. like, what's yeah. going on? When, when, I was, <laughs> when I was in Uganda this past year, there was a number of mm-hmm. mosques and, uh, and you would hear that very uh, mm-hmm. throughout the day, yeah. the, the call to prayer. When I visited Morocco, it was the same. No matter where you were, when a when a time for prayer came, you could hear it. Um, and so that is that's a very specific time where they're allowed to do their ritual prayers. Um, and if you're a good Muslim following this, the the rules as they are laid out, like you only pray during those times, and you're only allowed to pray during those times, mm-hmm. and it has to be a formulated prayer, something yeah. that has already been, um, that, that you're kind of reciting. Mm-hmm. There's there's not this free, open communication in no, that No, these sense. are prayers that are uh, written out in either the Quran or the Hadith, which are some of the writings that came later. Um, and they are led by um, a mullah or an imam, and mm-hmm. it's all written out for you. And generally, I'm pretty sure they only do it in Arabic. Right. Um, because that's, supposed to, that's I believe. the purest, yes. uh, you know, version of the Quran, and which is their holy book. And um, the craziest thing, when I found out that it was just these formulaic prayers, because 
it just shows the contrast of their view of God and why it is they're doing their prayers. They're not trying to relate to him because there's no way they can relate to Allah. He's so pure and holy and above everything. It's really just a matter of obedience and not so much a conversation. Sure. Um, and, and, you know, there is, there is some freedom within Islam. They have to grow in their knowledge. But did you know that um, it is, it's, it is really against the way of Islam to question enough of it to where it leads you to doubt. Sure. No, yeah. 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 So that because is, the people mm-hmm. I have talked with who are uh, practicing Islam or grew up in that um, that that religion, it is a uh, – not too long ago, I remember I was talking to a Muslim guy who was actually kind of really questioning mm. some of those things. And he said – the one thing he said to me that really stood out to me, he said – so much of Islam is fear-based. Mm-hmm. It is it is this fear of of not performing, not doing, and then what happens when you don't do that? Mm-hmm. Even like you're saying, questioning some of those things and the fear that is associated with that. But he said, what has stood out to me about Christianity is that it seems to be so motivated by love. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and mm-hmm. he was, you know, um, even things within his life and things that he had seen and i thought man what a what a true uh testimony of mm-hmm. of seeing really the power of christ a, a, in the life of believers yeah. is that their relationship with god is not defined by fear mm-hmm. where that is probably the most common uh feeling in most religions of the world is yeah. this fear-based religion, whereas yeah. Christianity is so revolutionary and it, it, it turns the whole thing on its head because because no longer is it us coming before God uh, trying to earn favor with him so that we're not in a state of fear, but rather that God made himself known in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, that mm-hmm. that he, as we've been talking about in the series, he became flesh and dwelt among us and, and, and that, that the disciples behind his glory and that Jesus lived his life both by example and the message that he lived claiming to be the son of God and that as he dies for sins and as he is raised to life um, he ascends to the father and the Bible says all authority on heaven and earth has mm-hmm. been given to him and so Jesus then gives the promise of the Holy Spirit and I just even as we talk about this I think about what Jesus called the Spirit of God he calls him the comforter yeah I mean that's not a, a title of fear mm-hmm. or or, or of you know, but the comforter, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. so so that that sets up, I think, our conversation today, because as we're thinking about these things, Stephen, help us understand where we're wanting to go on our conversation yeah. today. With I think I think our our main point today is understanding what we just talked about as a backdrop, but also seeing that a danger that we can have as a Christian is this: we focus so much on all these truths that we forget that there is a pattern given in scripture to prayer and there's Mm -hmm. ways of praying that are listed that are important and so in an effort to distance ourselves from the ritualism of other religions and focus on the relationship that we have with christ sometimes we discount that there is ways and patterns of praying that, that Jesus, are Jesus taught, taught yeah. that are given in Scripture, and we throw it all out. And then we ask, well, why is my prayer time so dead? Or why lifeless. is my prayer time <laughs> yeah. seem lifeless? Or why can't I pray? Well, 
we're not looking in the scripture to see what it is. So it's important to understand that patterns in prayer are important in Christianity as well. Mm. These patterns, though, are not for religious peace and blessing. Right. Uh, it's not, right. we're not seeking the blessing and peace of God because we're praying. What we're doing is we're seeking God. <laughs> yeah. We're seeking to communicate with the with him as God. We're not, we're not trying to obtain not trying his to favor. We no. already have his favor. Exactly. Uh, and so because of Christ, the work of Christ, we now have his grace and the spirit of God lives within us and so it is no longer one of achieving something yeah. but it truly is one of communing and 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 meeting with God. So um why don't we begin with how Jesus taught his disciples to pray because you know their their question I think was seeing Jesus's time with God so different than what was what was seen in that day. Mm-hmm. They wanted to know how they were to pray. And so we see uh, you know, many people refer to it as the Lord's Prayer. We've already talked about uh-huh. this is not model, the Lord's Prayer. Model prayer. This is the disciples' prayer. This is a model prayer. And I don't believe it was meant to be recited as much as it serves as really an example in the things that Jesus shows us mm-hmm. what to pray for. So mm-hmm. um, let's walk through that together here. Yeah. And so if you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to to like look in Matthew 6 with us. I'd encourage you to read this and not just listen to us talk about it or read about it. But um, in Matthew 6, this is where it's really going to uh, where we're really going to look at this today. And uh, it says in verse five, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues at the street corners that you may be seen by others, which if you're listening to our show, you've probably heard us talk about this already in this mini series. And it first says in verse seven, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Hmm. Do not be like them for you know, for your father knows what you need and before you ask him. So right before the model prayer, Literally, Jesus is like, hey, don't recite this as an empty phrase. Here's, here's yeah. some He literally tells yeah. us not to do what so many Christians do today, mm-hmm. and they just recite it word for word emptily and think that it's going to be some magical ABC formula that just makes things work. No, and it's not. In my version, I'm reading out of the Christian Standard Bible, it says it literally calls that type of prayer babbling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's because what it is, it's empty. It's like, yeah. it's, <laughs> well, it's, it's saying something without n- meaning what you're mm-hmm. saying. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a repetitive uh, phrase that you're saying over again. And I think it's, and I think don't, don't misunderstand what we're saying. I think it's fine uh, to pray the Lord's prayer. I mean, it's even in some senses of, you know, like many churches today, they would recite a creed or something. Mm-hmm. This is our belief. Mm-hmm. I think that is fine, but I think it, we need to be careful that we do not do it so much that we just, that our only prayer is praying the Lord's prayer without realizing what Jesus was really doing was not giving his disciples something to recite as much as he was teaching them what type of things or how they were to pray yeah. and how they formulated exactly. their prayers. Yeah, they, you need if you're if you do pray through this prayer, it's fine to pray through scripture. It's just you need to mean it and understand you're communing with God when you're doing that. You're sure. not just saying it. Mm-hmm. So verse 9 he picks up and he says, "Pray then like this. Here's the pattern, here's the model." And once again, not this, but like, like this. this. Like this. <laughs> Which Again, I think is yes. helpful to see that. He says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so we see here that 
he gives us a model. And so what does this model look like? I think, I think different people break it down into different um, divisions of the prayer, right? But mm-hmm. I think there's definitely at least four to five main key ways that you can break this um, prayer down into different sections that got that Jesus emphasizes on. Sure. So, what are some of those sections? Uh, what would be like well, number let's just start one? With the first one. I mean, yeah. the first one: Our Father in heaven, hallowed mm-hmm. be your name. I think Jesus is teaching us how we are to approach God. Mm-hmm. Uh, that He is our Father, but He is not just our Father, but He is our Father in heaven. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there is this intimacy, but there is also this um, transcendence. transcendence. God mm-hmm. is great, hallowed, holy, uh, be great. his name. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So it's this, I think I see in verse one, I mean, or verse nine, there, uh, this reverence, mm-hmm. uh, that we approach God with reverence, Morgan. It automatically sets us up with the right focus. Sure. You know, you go into prayer, not um, putting yourself higher than you should. It humbles us, our father in heaven, you know, and it becomes all about God, because that's yeah. what prayer is all about. Something that's really helped me in my own personal prayer life is r- before I begin even praying, I just take a few moments just to pause mm-hmm. and to just think about who I am coming before. Because I think mm-hmm. sometimes when we rush into prayer, we just you know just come in with this list of things. We we sometimes don't remember who we're talking to, mm-hmm. and I think Jesus actually really sets the stage by saying, "Hey, think about who you're addressing. You're addressing our Father who." is in heaven holy hallowed great be your name so we so see God's that glory is like yeah on display on we, number one. we must be yeah. glorifying god first of all that's that's i believe that's the one thing that we do the least in prayer today it's probably a fair um, assessment <laughs> i mean like we talked about prayer meetings i think last episode but mm-hmm. like literally go to prayer meetings does god get glory from it or is it more about aunt whoever's toe infection and other things, you know, and I'm not trying to make light of asking for healing because there is an element of that, but are we actually there for God's glory? Are we, are we trying to get God to bless us and give us his right. goodness? I'll never forget. There was a lady in our church. She went into the hospital and she wasn't well. And she said what was so different in the hospital one day, she, she met this nurse who came into her room and actually had prayer with her. She was a fellow believer. And, and she said her whole prayer, I think this lady was from Jamaica, and she said her whole prayer was about God's name, his glory, his greatness. And at the very, very end of her prayer, she had this little tagline, and, and please help whoever, uh, the name of the lady who was in the hospital, uh, to be healed. And it was like, she said, that was so different because often in our culture today, everything begins with need. It is need-driven, emotion-driven, rather than God and His glory. And she said, when she prayed like that, she said, it just made me think about uh, how often we, we, we just focus on one little aspect mm-hmm. of prayer mm-hmm. rather than begin in this way of seeing God's glory. So we see God's glory definitely set there. But then the second thing, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Morgan, what is Jesus then teaching us there? It's that um, it's, it's not our kingdom that we're asking for. We're, we're asking for the Lord to do his will in his kingdom, which is you know in heaven and now on earth. He is the king, and so he is the authority, and he is in control. And so we're praying for his will to be done. Um, Which asks the question, how is God's will done in heaven? Perfectly. 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 So I mean, there's in his no way. question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Jesus is saying, hey, we should pray to that end, right? Mm-hmm. To see God's will, as it's done perfectly, be done on earth that way. But we don't really pray like that. that. 
Because if God's will was done on earth, that means we would have to change a lot of how we do things, even in church and especially like in a cultural level. What comes to mind? Give us an example. Well, I mean, like, for instance, we're more concerned about like our well-being and mm-hmm. our will. So God, help us to do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. That's not praying for God's will. <laughs> That's yeah. praying that your will can be implemented on earth through God's power. Yeah. If we were praying for God's will, we would be going to scripture and saying, God, let your kingdom truly come. We want to see lives changed. We want to see this happen from scripture. You've, you've called us to do this, this, and this from your word mm-hmm. and list out the commands of scripture and then say, enable us yeah. <laughs> we want to follow through with this empower us please you well, know i also think too um when it comes to discussing or even praying for god's will sometimes we throw something out and then we'll be like if this is your will then you know we pray that you'll do it but god does give us so much of what his mm-hmm. will is you know his will is it's that, almost like a cop out it is i'm not saying but, that but I'm, really I'm, i am un- saying that but I, <laughs> my dad <laughs> always says what? my dad always says if you are believing and having true faith that what you're praying for is scriptural, then you don't have to ask if it's your will because, because that's if the thing. he will, he will work his will. And if you read scripture and know his will, then pray in faith that he will do his will, you know? Mm-hmm. And there right. is an, there is an element where I get what you're saying. Like you don't want to just say, never say if it's your will. Cause there are times where we truly we are know. seeking. Well, I think about Proverbs, you know, a man's, uh, a man's heart plans his way, but mm-hmm. the Lord mm-hmm. establishes a step. So mm-hmm. we, we don't know uh, how God ultimately might work through some things. But like you're saying, Morgan, there are many things in scripture that have already been revealed. This is the will of God. Mm-hmm. You know, those are things you don't have to pray about. It's mm-hmm. not like I have to think about, oh, is this God's will today? Go look at the Bible. Mm-hmm. God's attitude of it hasn't changed since yesterday. Yeah. Right. Like his his will of what he has called us to do. But I think what Jesus is emphasizing there is helping us focus our eyes on his kingdom. His authority. <laughs> his authority, yeah. his reign. Because in a day where we're so often, you know, trying to further our kingdoms or our ability, Jesus is helping us recognize a we need his kingdom. Mm-hmm. We need his reign. We need to bow ourselves before him. And then in verse 11 is probably the one phrase that everybody gets pretty well. Give us this day our daily bread. And mm-hmm. I think Jesus is talking about our needs there. Mm-hmm. What Ooh, is truly needs needed. are there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And specifically, I think that there is, um, I think there's some needs down below that are mentioned that are more spiritual in nature. I really see this as like a physical needs, physical mm-hmm. provision, which we connect with because we're need machines. And we, <laughs> this is the one element that if you've ever prayed before, <laughs> you probably know because you've asked the Lord for something. And it is there. And but it's, it's encouraging to know that Jesus gives us, you know, the encouragement, Mm -hmm. the permission to pray through this. But it's after us focusing on his glory and his authority. And his kingdom. And how often do we do that? Sure. Sure. Yeah. How often do we do that? And And then verse 12. Well, I was going to say one more thing on the needs thing. I just, I think it is important that it says, give us today our daily bread. Mm. Because I I don't remember if I had read it somewhere, if somebody was talking to me about it. So much of the time we spend uh, praying for uh, tomorrow's graces and tomorrow's mercies when, you know, the Lord, he encourages us to pray for today and mm-hmm. like, therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. He says just later in that chapter. He's implying that we'll be dependent on him tomorrow yeah, for exactly. what we need today. Yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. that's good. That is, and then there. forgive us our debts. And but notice, <laughs> as <laughs> we also <laughs> have forgiven our debtors. And yeah. um, I think that's a line in the prayer that just cuts to the heart because mm-hmm. just as much as we're coming asking uh, for God's mercy 
for his forgiveness. Uh, Jesus is reminding us right there in the prayer that we ought to be the type of people that extend that grace to others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Jesus actually even has like a little addition, like an addendum onto the prayer. That's like a little commentary on that yeah, specific look at phrase. Verse 14, because it actually comes after the prayer, but it is yeah. right there. He says, for if you forgive others, their trespasses, your fa- heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, their trespasses, neither will your fa- father forgive your trespasses. Mm-hmm. And it's this idea that forgiven people forgive much. Yeah. And uh, he even has a parable about that um, with the servants mm-hmm. and the, co- the king who would collect Which um, cuts debts. to the heart of of us mm-hmm. when we read that yeah. because man i've uh, sadly you know y- you'll hear christians talk about oh i just can't forgive that person man when i hear that like i understand there's that emotional side of working through things and 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 that forgiveness yes is a, not only a decision but it's a process that we work through but 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 just hearing people say that like mm. The Christians should be the type of people that are quick to forgive. I mean, mm-hmm. because like you said, they've been forgiven much. Shall they extend that same forgiveness as well? Yeah. And uh, yeah. And then the last part, he kind of gives a last um, part of this prayer in verse 13. And it says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And you could say this is asking for protection. You could say that he's asking for purity. You could even say that he's asking for spiritual needs kind of in this section. But what Mm -hmm. he's doing is he's literally asking that there would be a protection from evil. Um, This idea that um, keep us pure, you know, Mm -hmm. because we, I think sometimes we always are like, you know, well, um, I can't do anything about being tempted and stuff. Well, he says literally here, lead us not into temptation, you know, like literally protect us from evil. Give us a protection and a purity in this sense. When and I, I think that that's important because yeah. mm-hmm. I think too often we struggle and we never ask for protection from the Lord. Um, when he is more than willing, we try and fight our battles on our own when he is there to fight our battles for us and yeah, with us. that's so true. And I, when I read that verse, I'm always reminded of what Paul says, we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there are greater things uh, at work in the world today. And, and we um, need to look to the Lord mm-hmm. uh, for his strength, his endurance, um, for the shield of faith yeah, uh, and those type of things. And so uh, there's, I think, I think it's important here. We see a clear model. We, yeah. li- mm-hmm. we literally just walked through five different big areas, God's glory, God's authority, physical needs. We talked about um, this idea needs. of forgiveness and then mm-hmm. um, also protection and kind of the spiritual needs. And so we see a pattern developing that Jesus gives to his disciples. And then I would encourage you go through the book of Acts and you will see these things pop up. Um, you'll see that when they, when they pray, they direct their prayers to God as their father. Right. Sure. And there's this personal nature. And so like what you see is you see God's, um, but what are some of those things we see in the book of acts, the early church praying for? Oh, well, that's a good question. Um, yeah. because the early church did pray for needs. I think if we, <laughs> we did major on that a little bit in that section to where mm-hmm. you might walk away and be like, Oh, I can never ask the Lord for something. No, you should like we are the early so church needy did in every way they are. And I think if you look in acts, you see plenty of areas. You see uh, a place in acts uh, six where they pray for their leaders. Right. Mm-hmm. 
um, you see in Acts 8 where they pray that the spirit of the Lord would manifest where he would show himself strong. Be seen. And, be seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and, see prayer for missions in Acts 13. Which is a capstone place, I mm-hmm. mean, uh, for missions. I mean, that text and seeing how prayer was so tied uh, to the work of missions, missions, uh, Paul Barnabas being sent out mm-hmm. uh, to the work that God had called him to, and in 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 Acts twenty seven, you see this prayer for for safety, physical safety, like protect right. us, right? You know, um, I think you even see places where they prayed in crisis. Acts twelve, I think of like Peter in jail, you know, and there's like crisis here. Mm-hmm. They're praying. And then um, there's even a time where they pray when they're saying goodbye and they're mourning in Acts 20 when Paul leaves and he prays with a group of believers there and just how sweet and um, how, 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 how do we pray though often? And I thought back to that as I read through those needs and I'm like, am I praying like, like that, you know, (laughs) or am I more focused on my will? All these needs were in unison with the knowledge of God's will and what God intended, you know, and they were praying in that and they were praying within those, that model that Jesus had given them. And so I think it's so important to see that there is a pattern in prayer. And, um, I think it's an injustice to not see that because we can become so, uh, relational and non-ritual that we're like anything that's a pattern is of the devil. And we're not saying it's ABC, but we are saying Jesus said this, so we should probably take note. All yeah. of those things are important. <laughs> yes. yes. When we come before God in prayer. Right now, we're going to kind of continue our discussion talking about how did the early church pray? Uh, you know, we see some things there that they were praying for. Uh, we see the need that was present in the early church that drove them uh, into uh, prayer over some of these things. But I think we need to take a little bit of time not just to consider what they prayed for, but how they prayed. Mm. Um, Morgan, what comes to your mind as you just think about the early church and how they prayed? I think that they were so fervent in their mm. prayer. And that's something that um, I, if I'm being brutally honest, I don't have a lot of experience of with just fervent, like wrestling kind of prayers, um, but also prayers that were really like seeking the heart of God. It's just not something I'm super familiar with because I haven't you know, it's not something you see in the general church culture today. Huh. Stephen, what about yeah, you? For, I mean, the fervency goes back to our one of our main verses that we've been doing this whole time, Acts 242, right? Mm-hmm. They were devoted um, to prayer in that um, early church. I, I think of the idea that they prayed corporately. Um, I think that we talked about it a little bit, but there really is an emphasis on praying together. I mean, Acts 1, mm-hmm. they were together and they prayed. I mean, Acts 2, what we just quoted, they prayed. Um, I even think of uh, in Acts 4, they prayed, right? And um, I think of Acts 12 when they were praying for the crisis of yeah. uh, Peter, right? Yeah. And just all, you keep going all the way through and there's prayer that keeps coming up again and I again I want to look at one of those in, in Acts 4 yeah. where Peter and John, you know, they're there before the council and they're released. The Bible says in verse 23 that when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted up their voices together to God. Mm-hmm. And and then they begin to pray. And so, yeah. I mean, that's an example of it. You you see the early church mm-hmm. coming together in prayer. They weren't just praying uh, in front of people. They were praying with yeah, one another. And I think it's important, too, that you see a lot of times throughout the book of Acts that um, 
a lot of corporate prayer is uh, shepherd led. And I think that that's important mm-hmm. to understand because, um, I mean, as a pastor, it's a challenge, right? Explain what you mean by that, the shepherd led. I mean by that, that there is, um, it is a, led by a shepherd of the flock. So thinking of the church as a flock and then as the leadership of shepherds. And so uh, today we would refer to that office as uh, pastors or shepherding the flock. But mm-hmm. in that day, Many times when you look at corporate prayer, the apostles uh, who also shepherded the flock in that day and leaders of the church were leading their corporate prayers and showing an example to those around them how to pray. That's interesting. Where do you, where do you see that? In, well, I in think Acts. you see it in Acts 4 when they come back, they lift mm-hmm. it up together, but they are there. I think you see it in Acts 1 when the apostles are leading the others in okay. prayer. Um, I think you can even go to a place like uh, Acts 6. Um, I'm not there at the moment because I'm in Acts 4. You're talking about when they appointed uh, those seven to serve. Yes. I think in verse 6. Yes. They set them before the apostles and prayed and laid their hands on them. Yes. So you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And so the idea, the point is just a side note. It's not always shepherd led, but there is a conviction there as a pastor. And for anybody who's listening to this, who's a pastor right. to be a leader of prayer in your church, which is one of your primary duties, which is your I mean, primary even, duties. As, even as the apostles talked about, Hey, they're appointing these seven men. Mm-hmm. We're setting ourselves aside for the ministry of prayer and the word and the word. And so, a prayer should be a major, uh, major part, emphasis. Uh, emphasis, yeah, in the life of a of a shepherd of a pastor. Uh, you definitely, I think, see the early church praying just sincerely over things mm-hmm. in faith. You know, we've been talking about this already, but in faith, uh, believing for these things to happen, and they were full of faith. I mean, um, which I want to take a little bit of time to think about faith in relationship to our prayers. Um, oftentimes, I think because we see places in the Bible where Jesus says, well, you have not because you ask not. Yeah. Uh, and then when you ask in James, you ask a miss or other places where Jesus talked about um, that they are to keep on asking, keep on praying that keep on knocking, you know, principle mm-hmm. of, of coming before God. Um, I just want to say, when we think about praying in full of faith, um, what is there? I mean, I want to throw out a question and then I want to talk about it. Is there a difference between asking and demanding in our prayers? Yes. Oh, for sure. <laughs> so what is that? Because faith brings actually the discussion. When we think about praying in faith, oftentimes, you know, people, oftentimes when we say that, the implication is you need to claim it. You need to pray, believing, name demanding. Claim it. Well, mm-hmm. naming, yeah. believing that it is yours. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you may not use the word demanding, but the way that you pray seems to reveal that you are really demanding yeah i think a buzzword uh, that's going around to kind of describe that is declaration or okay, declaring because yes, that's very that's present today. So yeah. bring, bring people into the discussion there if they're not familiar with that yeah so especially in like mainstream really big uh churches you hear this in the teachings of bethel sometimes hillsong even in worship music it's like declare this you know mm-hmm. truth declare this to be so because you know you have the authority as a believer with the spirit of God indwelling you. But really, I mean, I think that totally gets us once again off the point of scripture. If we're just able to declare things um, because we have authority, like why then would we continue to pray and humble yeah. ourselves to pray and ask? Honestly, I find myself in no position to demand yeah. anything of God. I'd you can sure. only declare his word. Yeah. If it's in his word, you can declare yes. it. Yes. 
But if it's not in his word, but when you say declare, have a hard time Stephen, declaring. What, do you, what do you what do you mean? Well, meaning if he's given us promises, we can declare his promises to be true. Um, I mean, Psalm 34, he is near to the brokenhearted and to those who are crushed in spirit. So I can declare that he is near to me when I am brokenhearted and crushed in spirit. Why? Because mm-hmm. it's a promise in his word. Okay. Um, like that's what I mean by declaring in that so, sense. But when it comes to asking, okay. I think that there's a difference between asking and faith and demanding. Mm-hmm. And I think the difference is um, when, when someone is demanding, they are, they are literally I think they don't always mean to, but because they have faith, quote unquote, sure. they ask in faith and demand God to do something. A God, certain way. You have to do this this way, and I'm going to believe you for it. That's a demanding prayer. I think there. I think what you're bringing out is that Scripture actually makes a distinction between the things that God has promised, and then of course things in our life that we are we feel we feel that we are needy of or. Uh, desiring God to do, and we sometimes don't know His perfect will mm-hmm. and how God would work in our life. And you know, because you can see many places in Scripture where people prayed, had burdens, desires for things. You know, I think about Paul going to Troas and he's mm-hmm. burdened for these things, and but but God shut the door for him to go to Asia, even though Paul had a burden to go to Asia. I mean, he he was probably believing that God would open doors for him to to go to Asia. But yet God answered that prayer by shutting that door, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, the, the, the thing, the, the verse that comes to my mind when we talk about this is in James, uh, because he talks about in the book of James, uh, chapter one, verse five, any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generally to all without reproach. I mean, right there, one of those promises, Mm -hmm. God gives generously he doesn't withhold his wisdom uh, to those who ask. And the Bible says, and it will be mm-hmm. given to him. So right there in verse five, we can see that God promises wisdom uh, to those who ask. But then he gives this caveat in verse six by saying, but let him ask in faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there is, when we think about faith, sometimes what's elevated in certain circles is that kind of declaration, you know, mm-hmm. I believe it to be, so it will be. Mm-hmm. Whereas ultimately what James is showing us that we are to ask yeah. mm-hmm. in faith. It's um, it's this understanding that God is greater. Yeah. Uh, how God chooses to work and mm-hmm. or, or what God chooses to do in this situation is is truly how he would Mm-hmm. guide and, and direct and what are you going to say about yeah, that? Yeah, and I think with asking comes this recognition of tension. There is always going to be a tension between our asking and what God will ultimately do because we don't have we don't know like you said God's sovereign will. Um, right. but that doesn't mean that there's the tension. You can still have faith and there be tension between not knowing mm-hmm. what's yeah, going yeah. to happen but and what's going to turn out. You mentioned Psalm 34. Yeah. And even in Psalm 34, the, the verse talks about that those who look to him are radiant. Yep. They'll never be ashamed. Mm-hmm. Like, I think what the psalmist is talking about, like faith is looking to the Lord, mm-hmm. resting in what he does, and that ultimately what God does is good and right. Yeah, there's a, there's a quote I love, and it it's, uh, says, faith begins with believing that God is good no matter what before believing him for the request I ask in faith for. Oh, that's, and it's good. The idea, that. that's good. Um, that's actually an original. 
That's an uh, original. That's an original. You, you, yeah, that's, that's, an original that's a Stephen Vaughn original. Oh, wow. Wow. Stephen Vaughan quote. I was going to take quote for, credit for it, but that's just <laughs> a low-key move. I was like, call you out. But um, that uh, is an original. And, oh, um, that's good. Me, say that again, because that's helpful. Faith begin, true faith begins with believing that God is good no matter what, before believing him for the, the requests that we ask in faith for. Mm-hmm. And that's something my wife and I have had to remind ourselves of um, recently. You guys know, but like we've been kind of going through some health things uh, personally. Sure. And uh, we ask yeah. in faith, you know, we believe in faith, mm-hmm. but it doesn't always happen the way that we ask for. And that's because that's okay. And that's because God is good no matter what. And mm-hmm. so when we pray in faith for our health needs, we do it acknowledging, first of all, God, you are good no matter what. I'm believing in you. I'm choosing to trust in you. The faith that I believed in you for salvation, it's the same faith I have in you right now. Sure. You're Mm -hmm. good. But I am going to choose to believe that you know what's right for me. And I'm asking in faith that you'll do this, you know? And with confidence. With confidence. That's that's the whole thing about faith. Like, Mm -hmm. let him, in Hebrews, let him draw near full assurance of faith. It's that confidence that when we come come before God in Mm -hmm. faith, we know that God will act on our behalf according to what is good and ultimately what is best for his children. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that is great. And I think as we kind of, you know, kind of finish our discussion today, I think we want to kind of segue here just a little bit and and talk about the relationship between prayer and fasting. Which is still how they prayed. <laughs> right, right, right. Which is still yes, under that, that connection. because they're, right. they're together. Right. But, um, I, so I, what is fasting? I think that's a great question. What is fasting? Morgan, what's fasting? Well, D-Y-T D- expert. D-Y-T. D-Y-T. Yeah, we'll D-Y-T this. Um, so fasting, I mean, as we see it in scripture, it was um, the withholding of like food. They, you know, they quote. Quite often it was food. Quite yeah, often. food. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, I can't think of a time when it wasn't linked with prayer. Uh, I can't. I can't either. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> so, Maybe there is, and if there is, uh, email us on the podcast if we're missing right. if we're missing a passage. But and so fasting was this practice of uh, going without food to like focus so much on um, seeking the Lord and His will and His wisdom yeah. that you would neglect your the physical need for food. Yeah, and I think I think we want to push the definition even a little further because I think even in Scripture you see that it's not just food. Yeah. Uh, I think you see in the life of Christ when he withdraws, I mean, he's fasting from people. food, people. Um, I mean, you could argue that he's fasting from liquid as well. well yeah, um, and so like, I mean, there's multiple things that you can fast from. Um, but it is true that in scripture, a lot of times it is linked to food. Um, and I think that that's because that was a main source of nourishment and time consumement mm-hmm. <laughs> in that day. Because what you're doing is you're giving the time that you would give to something else to the one who really can change things, right? Yeah. So, well, well yeah, that, that, that brings me to the, ask the question, like, what are some of the misconceptions mm. that maybe are there around fasting? Yeah. Because I think, I think if we're not careful, it, sometimes fasting, uh, becomes one of those, um, uh, it, it becomes one of those things that we, we feel like because we did that, or if we did that, then we will receive the result. Yeah, I feel like sometimes fasting can be linked with this. Um, this is like your uh, your gold card formula for if you want God to do something. Okay. Um, you can pray about this is, and this is just totally like you're saying. This is kind of what people think. I mean, right. This is what, this is yeah. this is could be a general understanding, but you know, you can pray about something, and then God might do it. But if you fast and pray, God's definitely going to do it. You know, right? right. Yeah, I I think too though. Um, there is a sense, but which wh- is rooted in a yeah, it's rooted, rooted in a truth. I think is. that that's I think that that's a misconception that's rooted in a truth because mm-hmm. you do see in scripture that fasting was done 
as a way of realigning someone's heart yeah, and understanding yeah. with God. I think of Nehemiah when he was praying in Nehemiah 1. As soon as I heard these words, the words about the downfall of Israel, mm-hmm. a crisis moment where he, I mean, think about that. Your your life just goes completely off kilter, right? If you're Nehemiah. Mm-hmm. And what does he do? I sat down and wept and mourned for days and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Mm-hmm. And then he prays, he lists his prayer. I think of Acts um, 13 too, right? Where you read um, about the church at Antioch yeah. in verse two. And they were praying. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted and the Holy Ghost and separate uh, separate me and Barnabas and Saul for the work wherein to have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and they sent them away, right? Mm-hmm. Which was a major decision, major of, decision of what was happening there in the early church. I mean, for Paul and Barnabas mm-hmm. to be sent out in this kind of mission way. But there was that they were worshiping God when the Spirit of God came to set them aside. And then there was this time of prayer and fasting before they went. You know, because I know in my own life, in moments in time when I have fast and prayed through things, it is it is in the moments of withholding food that you find yourself being hungry and those mm-hmm. those even just those physical feelings of man, I'm hungry to eat right now. Like normally I would be having a meal mm-hmm. right now. But it's like the it's that feeling, and at least for me, this is how I've kind of understood it, like that that feeling of not having food and and being hungry, that desiring something, that desperate, you know, yeah. kind of feeling of of in those moments you're looking to the Lord and you're praying about whatever that is that you're burdened about, what you're concerned for. And I think it, it, it often fasting takes us to, um, uh, I, I think, and sometimes a, a, a level in our praying where we're just really sincere and uh, desiring. I mean, we're just, it's just that mm-hmm. desired, like unlike we would desire food, like we would desire food, that desire is intensified, especially the longer you fast, the more, you know, you're, you're. You're you're desiring this. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's 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 the word that comes to my mind mm-hmm. in yeah, my life. What about you guys? I mean, when you've fasted before, what what does that look like? The process and how? Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's a serious desire. I think it's also I think it's a really time of refocusing, and it's a time where you're literally putting out the things that could distract you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a dependence issue in reality, is what sure. it is, because you're choosing not to depend on food or physical things, or whatever it is. Honestly, we're focusing on food, but in a reality, you can fast or withhold yourself from pretty much anything, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's one of those things where fasting, I think, takes different shapes and forms for different people because sometimes people's dependence issues are on different things. Sure. Um, if, If food's something that you depend on, food's probably a good thing for you to fast from, you know? And I think food is a general, like just generic one that's really helpful. But I think that there's things that people could fast from that would really help them in this day and age as far as dependency. Like That's good, Morgan. What do you think of some of those? And yeah, smartphones. Well, yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest things, and especially since I'm on social media, I see it a lot, is people taking a social media fast, which mm-hmm. can be absolutely necessary if you know be. the junk that's on social media. But... um in my experience, I have had to look for other things to fast from um, just because some personal health issues, like 
a lot of times like fasting will make me really ill really yeah. quick which can we take a time because i was going here for that and I was talk about ask the practical you about, like, yeah sure, no, what does that about. look like i mean is is there i mean obviously jesus expected his disciples to <laughs> fast he says when you fast not if but when so what does important. that look like does it have to be food well i think that's important because jesus one does not define mm-hmm. or describe what fasting looks like he simply implies that his disciples will fast specifically also in moments when they're praying. And I think there are examples in scripture and we're not going to take time to go through all of them, but some of the examples of people that are fasting is, uh, you know, I think about Moses when he's with the Lord for Mm -hmm. 40 days, 40 nights. And the Bible makes the point he was not eating or drinking, but it was in those times, like he is writing the Mm -hmm. commandments that God has given him, the 10 commandments and he's meeting with God. And so in a moment of, gaining direction for the people of God. Uh, We find Moses there fasting. You see places like Ezra uh, proclaimed this fast. Uh, Why? So that the people would, would show their humility. Mm -hmm. Like they would, they would show um, how much they need God. And, and, and so he proclaimed a a fast Ezra Mm -hmm. did. And you see other places where um, in, in the, in, in the prophet Joel, <clears throat> Excuse me, where he talks about uh, really returning to God in a heart of repentance, and he says, mm-hmm. "When you do that, you return with fasting and weeping and mourning." Yeah. He's like, it's showing uh, fasting is one of those things that evidences. I think you know, once again, as we're talking about prayer, it evidences your hunger, your passion, mm-hmm. your faith for what God will do. Agreed. I, I do think it's important to mention, though, too, like. Things like when Moses was doing that, he was doing a supernatural work of God. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we look at science. A human can only go about three to seven days without water before dying. Okay. (laughs) So like, like I I think that there is a significance of the supernatural work of him going without water for that time. Now, I do think it's important to say, though, that there is an element of fasting when pushing yourself can be a good thing. Mm -hmm. However... If it brings bodily harm to yourself and is going to distract you from God and be a distraction in that way, is fasting truly beneficial in that sense? Do you know what I'm saying? Like if there's a difference between pushing myself because being uncomfortable is one thing, but like in your case, you were like, I can be in severe pain, go to the hospital and die. Is that truly though going to help and further your spiritual life with Christ Mm -hmm. or is that going to be a distraction? And I think yeah. that there are times like that where people set out and they're like, oh, I'm going to fast for 40 days because I'm a man. You know, is that truly the point of fasting? Yeah. Like, where's um, your focus? First of all, is that healthy? Should uh-huh. you check with your doctor? And then also, like, is that even going to help you with your spiritual life? Because you're not doing it for the right reasons. Which Why is are important. we fasting? No, right. that's an important thing. So I'm curious, how have you kind of uh, worked around that in terms of? I think one thing it is an aspect like of training your body because I mean the first time you fast it's kind of like shock to your man. system sure. and so I have just trying to like take into account my health I'm I've tried over the past couple of years to like train my body to be able to do like short fast but I have sought out other ways done the social media fasting mm-hmm. and even like from technology obviously with jobs and now everyone being virtual, that's kind of hard, but um, setting limits on um, like screen time. Yep. Sure. I'm going to fast from television or, yep. you know, literally you're just showing that there's mm-hmm. things in your life that you're setting aside mm-hmm. that instead of the time and effort and fulfillment that you would get from those things, you're, you're turning your attention exactly. devoted and uh, focused 
upon the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's good. Yeah, yeah. And I think in Acts, you see that, that when they were fasting, that's how prayer was connected, mm-hmm. was they were turning from something that was distracting or something that they were dependent upon to God in prayer to focus. I think that that's why yeah. prayer and fasting are so interconnected. It's good. It's because of the focus and dependency that fasting creates right. inside of me well, upon God. Well, see what happened in the early church, man. I mean, the, the results the are there. Is <laughs> it, right? I mean, look at, look at the dynamic works of God that happened in the early church when here's a church that is united and devoted uh, around the apostles' teaching, mm. the breaking of bread and prayers, and they they made the main thing the main thing, mm-hmm. and uh, and and they reaped the blessings of of what God did uh, through the early church in that. Well, listen, we're so glad that you have joined us for this mini series and uh, we have enjoyed, we've enjoyed it and I trust that you've enjoyed it. And uh, so thank you for listening to Where We Land, Christ, Culture, and the Church. Listen, if there's anything you've heard us talk about on the show today that you would like to know more about, we'd really love to hear from you. So send us your thoughts, questions, and feedback by sending us an email at podcast at whereweland.org. You can also catch us on our social media platform on Facebook by finding us at where we land. Well, listen, we hope you'll join us here next time as we continue our discussions and uh, the conversations here around the table. And we'll hope to see you then next time.